The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. As we transition to Whoa, another one game, more. but hold on, one more. You're, you're like that guy. What was that show, Columbo? Columbo, yeah, Columbo, yeah, 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 yeah almost yeah, leaves yeah. the room and yeah. then turns around like, oh, one, one more, more thing, yeah, yeah one more it's thing. The, it's the biggest point. We changed the graphic, but Pete's allowing one more thing. Oh yeah, well we got more than one more thing today. We got like ten more things and more coming to you, Chris Sims on Button. Ahmed Farid is here, the brilliant Ahmed Farid. Thank you. He has never seen a movie, but he somehow knows that show Columbo <laughs> like the back of his hand. I love that show. <laughs> Did you really you that like was that? Was so good. That was a great character. Well, yeah, he was a great character. I don't know if I ever really got into it to watch it. But, you know, it's, 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 I'm glad that, you know, you're showing some versatility in life. He was kind of like you. Right. He reminded me of you a little bit. Okay. Because he was a super smart guy. Right. But he didn't try to, like, right, just push stand that. there. And there. <laughs> no, but he didn't try to, like, be the know it all. Like, right. he was like, I'm a smart guy, but hey, I might be wrong. Right. And let me just ask some questions. You might think they're dumb. Yeah. And he was, end- he was the smartest guy in the room. He just didn't come off that way. Okay. Well, I don't know if I'm the <laughs> smartest guy in the room. I'll say that I'm maybe smarter than people think I am. Okay. Exactly. That's the same that's thing, what I'll Columbo. Say. And I'm not afraid to say if I don't know something, that's for sure. Yep. Knowledge is power. Gather more knowledge. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I tell my kids that all the time. Like, tell my kids. My, my son has a little bit of, like, no everything. Everything, you know, and I'm like, I literally will just say, shut up. You're 12 and you don't know what you're talking about. Just listen to the, the guy saying on TV because, you know, he's sitting there Monday night telling Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, like, what's going on in the game. Yeah. And I'm like, shut up. I can't hear them and I want to listen to them. And you don't know what you're talking about, nor have you watched this team play all year. I've seen you watch some TikTok videos, but that's it. But he's a know-it-all, so I have to tell him to be quiet. Yeah. Uh, you got to watch out for that. If you can be the guy in the meeting right. or in the room that asks the question that everyone else is thinking but yeah. too afraid to ask, yeah. like they don't want to look dumb, right. like every room, every meeting needs that person. You have to be that guy. No doubt about it. I, I was never afraid to be that guy, even in like football, quarterback meeting, whatever. Just like, hey, wait, wait, hold on. Just, I just want to make sure I got this right. Right, and you go through it that way, and and I do. I feel like there was always times where I'd have a receiver come up or a backup quarterback, and be like, "I'm glad you asked that because I I didn't really understand what he was saying either." But people are scared; they're yeah. scared. No the, and you it. do run the risk of every once in a while, like oh, everyone did, kind of like the it. dumbest like, well, shit <laughs> ever. And definitely, yeah, I've definitely <laughs> done that to be too. Okay with that. Yeah, you exactly. just have to be okay with that. Yes, right. Risk reward. Well, uh, I'm going to be asking you a bunch of questions here, but I know you have the answer because it is Treasure Hunter Wednesday. <laughs> what <laughs> the F happened Wednesday, a.k.a. Uh, you've gone through the tape on a lot of the games. I have. You've learned some things, and you've seen them with your own eyes right. that maybe you didn't see or learn before. And so uh, we can use these new lessons to apply as the season goes on and see how players are changing or not changing or what they're missing out there, if it's a case of Russell Wilson. So uh, you've gone through a bunch of games. Do I we have. have. Do we have a rundown? Should we tease them here? Yeah, some yeah of the, give a tease. The Chiefs offensive play calling. Yes. You've been critical of that in the past. We'll right. take a closer look at that. The yep. Eagles run game took off against the Jaguars, a very good defense. So how'd they do that? 
Ravens offense in the second half was not as good in the, as the first half. Joe Burrow seems to be getting it in stride. Trevor Lawrence took a step back. Zach Wilson the first time on the field. Kenny Pickett for the first time this year or ever in the NFL. Uh, Russell Wilson and more. Wow, that's a lot. We got a lot. I did a lot this week. I really did. And, you know, not all – some of it was like quick film – you know, basically played the hits or newsreeled it a little just to get to important things. And there's some that are definitely deep dives. But, you know, one thing I realize is just that I spend so much time deep diving into some games early on in the week that I get to the end of the week and I'm like, damn, I haven't really seen that game or I don't have great feel for that game. And then I'm playing on a catch up on Friday and Saturday on my days off. So I crammed a little bit more in on Monday and, and always grind on Tuesday and got some done here on Wednesday morning, too. So this is going to be knowledge dense, knowledge dense. We're going to no keep, keep a good pace here. Right. We're going to learn a lot. Yes. in The time that we have. Right. So let's start with the Chiefs. Right. Uh, On offense, they scored 41 against the Buccaneers, who had previously been giving up nine points per game. So how did they exactly do that? And you looked at the film, and you just said Mahomes magic. All right, so moving on (laughs) to the next game. Uh, No, you've been critical of them in the past. You say sometimes they have great plays, cool plays. Do they all link? Do they make sense? Is it part of a scheme? Yes, right. Is there something they're attacking? Exactly. Right. Did you see more of that in this game? I did. I, I Really, I think I saw one of the best game plans I've seen the Chiefs have in a long time wow. really yeah I mean game plan specific there was a real theme to the game and you know I think they knew what they were attacking and then I add on the fact that like yeah this wasn't like they were playing you know some crappy defense that's like last in football it's the Tampa Bay Bucks it's definitely going to be a top five top six defense when it's all said and done but yeah did some things that I just didn't know if they were capable of I think that's the biggest thing Ahmed I mean you hear me on a weekly basis talk about the Chiefs you were in the room there you know uh at least until you had to do the halftime part of the 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 show but like uh, i just be think between the short passing game not letting the bucks pressure anything like that get to them oh they're gonna play these zone coverages finding out the right plays to throw the ball short and basically making it like okay it's zone but now we got our guy one-on-one like the first touchdown pass to travis kelsey right i think it's the second play of the offensive game you know, it's quarters coverage. They run a play that's specifically for that that basically ends up getting Travis Kelsey one-on-one with the middle linebacker, and he can do whatever he wants. He kind of has the, the old jerk route we talk about. Touchdown. Boom. And great play design to keep everybody else in coverage, not to have their you know bright lights on Travis Kelsey. They gave him a little window dressing everywhere, so the safety in the corner had receivers running. I'm like, oh, I can't look at Kelsey or do that or cheat on the play or anything. So great design there. And then I think a lot of that throughout the night let alone uh, an RPO game that I'm sure they looked at from the Packers game the week before and said, wait, we can do this and you know we can do other versions of it compared to what Rodgers and company did. But still, a short passing game that's effective. We talked about last week, right, where the like the, the Bucks D, they kind of want to have it both ways. Like, we're, we're kind of in the, outnumbering you in the box, but we got this guy out here sh- kind of shaded to the receivers, so you don't really want to throw it. But he's ready to fill in the run game in a hurry. And I think what we've seen the last two weeks is quarterbacks go, enough of that bullshit. Like, you're going to have to commit. Are you going to come in here and stop the run, or are you going to go out there and stop the pass? Hmm. And the RPO game certainly killed them, let alone the most dominant run effort I can remember from the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, that was going to be my question, is that what got them to fear the run? They were able to do it somewhat successfully, but... That's really the first time they've shown that. This yeah, it, it is. And, and I'm, you know, you've heard me say before, like, forget the run. Don't right. even, like, worry about it, Kansas City. Just come up with more screens and more RPOs off of that, and that'll 
you know, accomplish the same thing the run game will, to get people to come up, right, and now we can throw the ball down the field. But early on, there was no doubt a plan to run to the bubble. Right, the shade knows. Vita Vea is on the sh- like the right shoulder of the center, and then there's nobody on the guard, and then you got a guy on the tackle. Right, so there's that bubble hmm. on the guard. They ran plays at that early on. Block down Vita Vea. Guys pulling around. That was certainly a thing. Little inside zone to the bubble. Bucks adjusted, right, a little bit. And that did slow down their running attack to a degree. They still maybe bust one or two more. But I think between that and then the RPO game, it was, uh, it was very special that way. And tactically just took a few shots down the field. That was the big thing, too. Got them to come up. Oh, wait, now we know. Oh, we got them to come up. Oh, wait, they're, they're starting to show their defense a little bit more because of our RPOs and everything there. They took a few shots here and there, a little, and then some Mahomes magic really made it a special outing. What about those blitzes yeah. that the Bucks use? Right. Sometimes it can be pretty tricky. Right. Todd Bowles does a good job of that. He does. There's, I think, you know, the RPO scares them. Throwing the ball and their ability to strike downfield scares them. They blitzed a few times. It wasn't as little as the Super Bowl was a few years ago where it's like they basically didn't blitz at all. They threw a few change-ups in there, okay. but they were careful. And I think what Todd Bowles has realized, too, is like, wait, why do I want to give these guys this opportunity? Why do I want to give you know the chance of you know we blitz and they throw a ball three yards to Juju Smith-Schuster and he breaks a tackle and runs up the sideline for 30-yard lines? And then the other thing where I'll always say with Andy Reid, no teams really ever expose their pass protection. He understands how to pick up blitzes, how to get the offensive line to work to pass it off, or this guy drops out, this guy blitzes. It's very rare. I mean, think about it. You see Mahomes like drop back and, whoa, people are coming free, right? And he's having to duck or get in the fetal position. It's very rare because that's where Andy Reid is special. And uh, I think that scares Todd Bowles out of it as well. But this, the, the bigger point is when the when they play like this, short passing game, tactical, RPOs, screens, whatever. And then what did we get to at the end of the game? All of a sudden there, well, shit, we're dying a slow death. We got to start playing some aggressive coverages. And they hit a few balls down the field. That's when the Chiefs are at their best, and I hope they can continue to grow that. They, the story of the game was they played awesome on that side of the ball and just never relented on the Bucks defense really throughout the night. You can probably tell how a game went. Yeah. By which team converted on third down. Well, and that's a big the thing. The Chiefs here. did that a ton. I think right. Kristen, Pete, and uh, Morgan, who's on the floor here, Gabby back in the control room. We have a, a graphic on that. Here it is. Weeks one through three, they had 30 third downs. They had 17 third downs. So give credit to the Bucks defense. They did force a lot of third downs, but the problem is, is that they converted 12 of those third they downs. Converted 12 of them. I mean, I got to think that out of those 12, nine of them were very favorable third downs where they were in like third and five or less, right? That's a huge advantage. You know, again, when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback and that kind of weapons and you're in third and four, that, that's a win. And I think that was the biggest thing to me, that the things we just talked about, the running game, the RPOs, they were always in third and manageable for the most part. You know, there was, there was two or three where Mahomes, it was third and ten, and he made some unbelievable plays or whatever else. But either way, when you get to that, you know, that down a distance – there's so many options you can go to, right? You know, third and three, you can run the ball, you can throw a screen, 
We can find a short passing game. Oh, wait, they covered everything. Mahomes can scramble and, oh, it's just a three-yard dump off. Boom, we got the first down. Or he scrambles and runs for four yards and gets the first down. And that's really what they did. And that's where, you know, again, I think the Bucks went into it going, I don't know if they can be patient. I don't know if they can do this. But they died a slow death, slowly but surely. And had to kind of change their, their way they called the game as the game went on. So you mentioned it. You don't want the Chiefs to try to be something that they're not. But in this game, they did run for uh, 189 yards. Right. Clyde Edwards, Lair had 92 yards. Isaiah Pacheco had 63. Yeah. What do you think of those two guys? And is that something now that you think like, all right, they've shown they can do it against the Bucks. Maybe they can incorporate I, it more. I, I mean, they can. They have the physical ability up front to do that. That that should not be a question. It, to me, it's whether they're are they going to be stubborn with it a little bit. You know, run game isn't the kind of thing where you can go. We're going to run it this week and. Uh, let me check my watch. Run game, we'll see you in three weeks. We'll come back to you then, right? That, that's kind of been their problem, too. Or they get into a game next week, and then they run the ball the first two times, and it doesn't go anywhere, and they just go, oh, fuck it, we're going to throw it every play. We didn't run successfully. So there's got to be a real attitude and stubbornness in practice, practicing it. And then, you know, the creativeness as far as, wait, what's the play that works for us? The big play for them this week was the block down, pulling linemen, kick out, and then they had the appropriate RPO pass plays off of that too to where if he didn't like the look, he could do that. So I hope they can do that. I like, hey, Edwards Hilaire is very good. You know, there's no doubt. But I really like Pacheco. I mean, I really do. Pacheco has just got an attitude and a burst, you know, a little more physicality element than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire does as far as I think he has straighter speed. And he's a guy, even though see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, can, he's got more power than, you know, you would think for that body. Pacheco is a guy that can, can really kind of move the pile too. Mm. He's more of your traditional between-the-backs, like bell cow type runner. I saw him do that at Rutgers. He's capable of doing that in the NFL. But I don't think they're going to really be that team on a consistent basis. I don't know. We'll see where this goes. But it was encouraging. Run game, screen game, you get more of that, more diversity of that. I think it's going to make the Chiefs everything they want to be on the offensive side of the ball. They play the Raiders on Monday night. What would be game plan specific against Las Vegas? Ooh, that, that's a good, you know, I mean, they're very game plan specific as well. I mean, it's a New england type defense. So yeah. that's where, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I, don't know what, I don't know what I would say there you know, off the top of my head. Hmm. You know, I do think that you know, they're, they're going to play a lot of coverage and do the same type of things and try to probably double Kelsey in certain situations that I would expect. Uh, that would be the New Englandy Patrick Graham type of way, but you know, off of that, again, Raiders not real talented in the secondary, right? I would still think run game and screen game can be very effective for them. I really would, I, I, because I would think that they they could stress out this Raiders defensive line that lacks big people and push them around a little bit if they you know, can find that scheme or two yeah. that really works for them in that matchup. You wouldn't blame them if they just said, whatever we did against the Bucks, let's just try to do that again. Well, I don't think it's a crazy yeah. – you can build on that and say, hey, this totally. is what we are here. Let's yeah. do this a little bit. You know, let's let's have a little fortitude running the football with these little pass schemes off it in case teams overplay it and put teams in a bind that way. You know, I mean, they, they definitely can do it. And the RPOs had versatility. That's what I love, too. See, a lot of teams, they get into RPOs, and it's like the same thing over and over. And then teams start to realize, wait, we can stop the run and kind of stop the RPO at the same time. Yep. You know, but they gave, like, different ways to do it. There's a screen to Kelsey. It's a bubble to Juju. It's another inside screen to Juju. You know, they had three or four or five different ways to do it to where you can't, 
like just pigeonhole them to wait if I play this defense we can kind of play the RPO and stop this weak side run uh hopefully they can continue to figure that formula out but like all right last thing too because we're gonna move on to the next game right yeah like fucking Mahomes is unreal all right it's unreal and he and Josh Allen are like the reasons I keep looking at it and going like passer rating PFF quarterback ranks, and I'm not trying to disrespect nobody's strength. Like we, we got to find a new formula. We got to find a new formula. We can't have the guys that are throwing like two yard checkdowns and not doing anything impressive of the week, and then being touted as this guy was the best performing rated quarterback of the week. Like get the fuck out of here. Like yeah. I don't know what else to say. Like nobody watching that game the other day thought Tom Brady was better than Patrick Mahomes, but his his quarterback rating blows him out of the water. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just something I want to spout off. I think it's food for thought. The yeah. where we got to figure out degree of difficulty on throws. You know, was the play supposed to be made? Have a better scale there? Was there plays to be made that we turned down and threw a three yard completion, but we got a positive grade for the play? All that to me is like out of whack in this conversation. That's all I want to say. And Mahomes is fucking unbelievable. All right. Well, so as we transition, let's stay on that theme, though. Okay. Because we'll transition to the Broncos right here. Oh, and Pro Football well, Focus. Fitting. Pro Football Focus. Yeah. Did rate Patrick Mahomes ahead of Tom Brady last week. They had Patrick Mahomes fourth. Okay. The fourth rated quarterback. To hear. That's good to hear. He was behind Geno Smith. Okay. Behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. Behind Daniel Jones. Um, there's Mahomes fourth. And he was one ahead. Of our next guy we're going to talk about, Russell Wilson. All right, so wait, say those names one more time. Gino, Jimmy G, Daniel Jones, Mahomes, Russell Wilson. All right, so Gino, I can understand. Danny D, you know, there there has to be something about, he played really good, but he was 7 for 13 for 78 yards, right? There has to be, like, something next to it. Like, didn't ask him really to throw it, but we rated him up here. Right, some I mean, good runs, they right? Great runs. I'm not those, saying right. his value to the team right. and trying to take that away, but when we're talking about pure passing, yeah. All right, then you talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, is he's third? Is that Jimmy Garoppolo third? He was second. He was second. Yeah, there's something wrong with that. There's, I mean, he he missed some of the most egregious big plays of the week last week in that game. Let alone his best play was an off-target five-yard throw that a guy made a great catch and then did fucking video game shit on. So there's <laughs> definitely an like a. And I'm, again, I'm not picking on anybody here. This is throughout. Even QBR, whatever, yeah. whoever system it is. You hate them all equally. I do. I hate them all equally. I'm just saying that <laughs> I wish we could all find a better way to quantify yeah. some of the great quarterbacks and what they do. Because I think a little bit of like these great throws we see Mahomes or Allen make, we just go, oh, okay, great throw. Move on to the next play. And I'm going to go, Whoa, wait, wait. There's like, they're the only two people in football that can make that throw. There's got to be a different scale for that. That breaks the scale, breaks the rating. I'm sorry. I know you're, no, no, no. Now you're breathing in deeply. You're like, all right, move on. Get <laughs> off it. <laughs> I go we we're going to be at a good pace here. But this is an interesting discussion because it incorporates the next guy we're going to talk about. Yes. Russell Wilson here, who you have rated as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL sure. throughout his career. This Top is his tennis. first year yeah. in Denver. Um, had two touchdowns, 237 yards this past week. Maybe on paper it was his best game. PFF, I just said, rated it the fifth best of the week of any quarterback. How good was Russell Wilson this week, and what would you see? He makes some plays. Okay, he does. But are there things about his game that concern me that I've seen really now for three weeks in a row? 
right? And the, the big thing is not seeing the field well. Not seeing the field well. Open receivers. Reluctance to throw the ball over the middle, which you always hear me say. Too much watching the rush. If I had to sum it all up, I would go, when you really watch Russell Wilson, if it's not a one-on-one ball or if the first read's not wide open, then the play's over. If it's not one-on-one, let me throw a go-route to Judy or Sutton, or, like, here's a play and here's the first read, and if he's not – he has to be wide open, he's not going to throw it, and then he's going to just look to kind of move and check it down or maybe move and scramble. And that, you know, is going to provide us some good highlights and provide some good stats – But there's still too many plays and your favorite phrase, lack of surgicality, consistently move the ball, get first downs, wear a defense out in their offense. And it's because of him. There has to be an adjustment made. Either they he's got to play the game differently and start hanging in the pocket, going through reads, be a little more aggressive with the middle of the field throws or. They just have to forget all those plays and come up with a million ways to kind of get one-on-ones and have them throw the balls outside the numbers and play that style of football. But to me, it's you know the Texans game, the 49ers game, and now this game that I've watched all have that in common. And you know that to me, if people want to bag on the Broncos and the misplays and Nathaniel Hackett, is he above you know in you know in and above his head here? And I want to go. He certainly has made his mistakes. But they're, they're providing enough here, enough looks, enough plays for them to get some stuff done. And Russell is not playing his best football right now, for sure. He's part of the problem. He's definitely, you know, yeah, he's, he's part of the problem. He's not helping the solution. That's what I should say. Okay. Yeah, and I don't know if it's not because he's not comfortable yet. You know, I don't know if he doesn't trust his offensive line, right? But there is more creativity in the offense than he's had in the past. And that's just something, again, I think we're going to do a few plays on social after this is all said and done and point these out to people. But there's there's five, six, seven plays. You saw my notes where I just go, you're Russell Wilson. you you got to see this. He's open. It's third and 15. Everybody's open. Throw the ball. It's third and whatever. Two people are wide open. But you're, I don't know. You don't expect them to be open, so you're looking at the rush and that, it's it's a little all over the place right now. So how is he different? You, you noted this watching the games on Sunday is that he is not scrambling, rushing around. Because a lot of those plays that when he would go to his second or third read, it would be after he's flushed out of the pocket, right. scrambling around, sees this guy open. The fact that he's maybe not as comfortable doing that now or not allowed in the structure of this offense to do that. I mean, maybe preventing him from doing the things he does best. I don't well, know. Well, maybe I know. I don't know either. Maybe he needs to do that more to kind of just get himself in rhythm and get going and just go. Okay, if you want to be that guy, then be that guy. Move around, do it all the time, you know. But but right now, I would say when he's moving around and leaving the pocket, unlike the old days where I used to go, oh shit, he's lit. Watch out, he's gonna run for twenty or he's gonna throw a forty-yard strike right here. I go, oh, watch out. He's just going to get out of the pocket and throw the check down for four yards. And that, that's – hey, his arm is still incredible. I mean, he still has a really strong arm. And he certainly can make high-level throws. So, I don't, again, I don't know if it's the newness. Yeah. He's scared to make a mistake right now. 
whatever it is, I just know it has to get better. And they're too good and too talented at receiver to be turning down some of the plays and throws they have on the offense right Let now. Let me throw two things at you. Yeah. Could it be yeah, a lack of familiarity with his receivers, and that takes a while? Could I don't be. know how long that can take. But there's no doubt. It could be. I don't doubt that. And a new offense here. And, and the fact that it's a defense that's pretty good. Maybe that's, one of the better defenses out there. And so I, maybe that's part of the philosophy is just like, all right, don't screw it up. I Well, I, listen, that's – While you're learning, while you're getting familiar with the receivers, right. let's not screw it up. Right. Is that possible? I, I, it could be possible. Uh, unfortunately, that's how he was raised, and I think that's why he is like this anyways. Mm. Because he was raised like, we got the Legion of Boom. Don't take the chance. We're going to hand it to Marshawn. We'll run a boot. They'll score four points, five points on the day, and we'll win 10 to 5. Like – I don't know why I picked that number, but I did. <laughs> but that's how he won his first Super Bowl, right? And he had that beat in his brain. Hey, just don't, don't, don't make any mistakes, and we've got a chance to win the game, right? And, and then he knew, okay, wait, I hit one big pass to Baldwin. I scrambled one time for a big run. I scrambled another time and made a big throw to, you know, uh, Doug Baldwin again. And shit, we're the best team in the NFC. I mean, that, that's really what they did. So that has caused, I think, a lack of sometimes him reading out plays, the surgicality in the offense that we would like. Right. And that's where it, it does have to change, in my opinion. Opinion. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Broncos Mike Kane is worried. He goes, is Russ washed? Everyone seems to be piling on, but I don't see it. Well, no, he's not washed. He's definitely not. He just, you know, I I think... Really, you explained it right. I think those things are real. Like you said, timing, receivers, rhythm, trusting the offense a little bit. You know, hopefully he can go through that. I don't think he's washed. He's not as explosive moving the ball as he – I mean, running the ball as he used to be. But he's still effective and can move around. But I just think they got to continue to beat in his brain a little bit like, hey – Hey, you didn't need to leave here. Stay in the pocket. Look, this guy's coming open as your number two read. Stay here. Stay here. Don't come on. Come on. Keep doing it. You know, it might look ugly a little, but if he does it, it's going to make them better come late October, November, December. It's going to make them harder to defend. But no, I'm not ready at any way to say he's washed. And here's another thing that I think is leading people down that road, too. See, this is, the, again, the problem when you play hurt as a quarterback like mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield last year. See, Russell came back too early from his finger injury and didn't play good the first three or four games. And then after, like, the first game, people just forget, oh, the guy's fucking finger was falling off just a few weeks ago. Right. And they just go, what's wrong with Russ? He's just missing throws. He's missing throws. He's missing throws. Wow, Russ didn't look good. And then we get done with the year, and they go, did Russ fall off last year? Was he not, you know, did he not fall off? And then that carries into now. So now it's, wait, was Russ, did Seattle know that Russ was falling off, right? And that's the, we get stuck in this. And I wanted to say, no, there was a lot of things here in context we got to take into account. Right. And let's wait. It's week four. It's going into week five. Let's see where it goes. But it's something I'm definitely going to have my eye on as we go forward here. Well, they're going to play tomorrow against the Colts. That's right. What do you expect to see against that defense? Well, that, good defense. It is. It's a good defense that, you know, again, you're going to have to read the field and do that. They're not going to like give you, 
you know, a ton of one-on-one shots. It's Seattle three, so he should have some experience with this. Gus Bradley's the D coordinator of the Colts, right? He invented Seattle three. Russell got to practice against this, of course, a number of years. I'll be interested to see if they if he knows a few Seattle beaters that he brings to the game plan, you know, for Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, that'll be interesting to see. It certainly will. But, you know, yeah, this is a game where, again, I don't know if you're going to get a lot of one-on-one shots. You might get a few plays where you scheme up against the scheme and then, boom, you hit it. But you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to go through reads. And you're going to have to be willing, really, when you play this type of defense more times than not, to go, wait, I, okay, hey, five yards at a time here, six yards at a time here, five yards at a time here. Oh, we got a 20-yarder finally. Boom. Back to five yards here, five yards there. Uh, and that's what I kind of expect to see, certainly, because you know, I, I, I don't think they're going to be able to rely on their running game quite the same. Without Javante Williams. Special. Top five running back in the NFL, according to Ahmed for I, uh, I don't dis- I, you know, I don't think you're crazy about that. And then the Colts with that Seattle scheme always got eight people at the line of scrimmage. And they make it hard, you know, for you to want to run the ball on them with that look. Yeah. You know, they basically play like run defense looks where they're looking to drop out and play pass. That's really what they try to do. It's, it's really Seattle scheme, in my opinion, in a lot of ways. So uh, it will be an interesting matchup, and I am. Watch for that. Yeah. See if Russell has some Seattle beaters uh, for the Colts. All right, we can all watch it, stream it on Amazon, the national game on Thursday Night Football, our national game on NBC after Football Night in America starring Chris Sims. It is the Baltimore Ravens versus the Cincinnati Bengals. You want to take a closer look at what the Bills did to slow down Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And the Ravens, specifically right. in the second half. Right. Because that's when the Bills made their comeback and they held, what, the Ravens to three points in the second half? Or did they score at all? No. Was there no points? No. Zero, zero points. points in the second half. Yeah, they went on a 20-0 to zero run to win the football game. All right. So, and of course, the, the infamous going forward on fourth and two and they couldn't get an interception that led to Buffalo driving down and kicking the game-winning field goal. So, you saw the whole game. You didn't just watch the second half. You saw the first half and the second half. What the Bills do? Anything groundbreaking? Wasn't groundbreaking as far as like first half to second half. I think the first thing that I would say is the first half wasn't as easy as I thought it was on Sunday. You know, when you take into account, okay, the first drive started at the four yard line, the other touchdown drive, you know, was Devin Singletary fumbling. So that was 14 points. Mm. You know, they had a, a kind of an ugly. Ugly drive, or maybe maybe that was the, maybe that ended up being the field goal. I might have them mixed up here. Um, um, let me just get the, the the score sheet here just to make sure I got my points correct here. But yeah, okay. So yeah, had the twelve yard drive off the Devin Singletary fumble, which gave them the field goal. Um, so they had two, you know, really three short fields for the most part to get thirteen points. And put one drive together in the second quarter, which was the 15-play, 81-yard drive, where there was a little of everything. You know, they ran, had a good run. Lamar had a great scramble. Bill, Bills got them stopped on a third down. He gets out of the pocket, right? Throws across the middle of the field, ends up getting a first down. I can't sit here and go like, oh, man, they had the Bills number and they were tearing them apart. No, I just think it was... You know, some positive things. Lamar made a few plays and and good field position set up by their defense more than anything. I think the big thing I came away with more than anything is two things from the Bills' standpoint. I think you saw – I mean, I know you saw my notes. I don't know why I'm saying you think this. But the the Bills blitzing a little more than I ever remember 
in a game and the Bills playing man-to-man more than I can ever remember in a football game. And really did a great job doing it. And the, the Ravens had a hard time kind of uh, separating for them, you know, in a lot of ways. And I didn't really think the Bills were capable of playing that much man-to-man and having that kind of success. So why do you think they did that? You think they did that because... Baltimore's wide receivers don't scare them. They got I, some talent there. They do. I think it's more the overall system. See, what I think teams like the Bills and the Patriots do with their man-to-man coverage is they have taught these guys how to read, even though they're playing man-to-man, how to read plays and route combinations, just like you would in the zone, right? Where, oh, wait, the slot guy's going out, so that means the outside guy's about to go in, so I'm not going to take the cheese, and we're going to pass it off. And I think there's some of that common knowledge when it comes to, wait, they're in this formation. If you see, you know, this receiver go vertical, it means your guy's probably going to run this route off of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think they're very good at teaching that. So it's almost like the zone passing off, but they're teaching it through a man's scope. And because the Ravens, you know, as you've heard me say, it's, it's a good offense. I don't sit there and go, oh, wow, the passing game is crazy, insane, creative. It's good enough. It's got enough to deliver for you. But I think the Bills were comfortable enough to go, you know, we, we like our chances. And we got to pick our poison somewhere here. And so let's crowd the line of scrimmage a little bit so one of their cool run game design plays doesn't expose us with, you know, Lamar keeping the football. And then let's also crowd it a little bit so we can, like, not give him lanes to run through and get a huge run on a drop back situation. To me, that would be the reasons they did this. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the got to have it plays, I think this was interesting. You, yeah. you noted here in your notes, in cursive once again, uh, which is every time I show it to someone, they go, that's actually really good cursive. So people are very complimentary. Oh, thank you. Your, Except for you and your writing. wife, apparently. Yeah, you I guys know. Are, I know. I've shown I mean, it to more guys... people since then. And I know. They've, they've yeah, all been it, very complimentary. I've never had anybody say anything bad. Except or the, the Farids. Except the Farids, which i got to question <laughs> them now. i got to question. <laughs> and Pete. Uh, the got to have it play, as you said, it seems like they want to blitz, play man right there. But you did notice a little bit of zone defense from the Bills when they thought that uh, the Ravens were in run sets or maybe it was a running down. Right, like a first down. You know, first down of the drive. Yeah. They got, looks like we're going to run the ball. That's a prototypical, like, uh-oh, watch out. They might be, you know, dangling some cheese here so they can take the deep corner post shot, right, off a of play action or whatever. So that's why they would do that. I, I believe that would be my two cents of my knowledge playing in the league, talking to friends all the time. That's what you worry about in those situations. Don't come out and first down where you know these guys have been on the sidelines going hey how can we fuck this defense up here on first down and come up uh, play something conservative right because yeah. that's the time when you know first play of a drive cross midfield second and short right those are all prototypical offensive coordinator looking to shit on the defense and take a big play type of situations and McDermott and Leslie Frazier are smart, and they know that. So they're like, okay, fine, we'll give you the five-yard completion, but you're not going to hit the play action Rashad Bateman 70-yard bomb. So, you know, for the, they had a good feel for that, as they always do. Their breakdowns must be phenomenal in Buffalo as far as tendencies and how they break teams down. But then, for the most part, in big gotta-have-it situations, they went back to, we're going to not let him run, we're going to crowd the line of scrimmage a little bit, and try to not let him scramble, and we'll take our chances covering a crew in an offensive passing game that's, you know, not the scariest in football, 
And if we lose that way, then so be it. And that's kind of how they went down swinging. Outside of Lamar, the run game really hasn't been all that scary this year, and it has been in the past. Uh, Nelly Moe, 2010, says, Hey, Chris, do you think that some of the Ravens' struggles on offense are because of scheme creativity or a shortage of elite Jimmys and Joes? Mm. The running game did get going a little bit it more did. outside of Lamar that's in this right. game. That's right. I, you know, No, I think that when they're at their full strength, I think it's a good mixture of both. Uh, I, again, am I going to sit here and tell you Greg Romans and you know, Sean Payton, Andy Reid, or Kyle Shit and Kyle Shanahan, or somebody like that, or you know uh, Josh McDaniels? Yeah. Um, no, I'm yeah. not. But again, the offense is plenty good, and he's been around a long time. He's got plenty of checks and balances. And what he does, he probably does really well. You've mentioned before, exactly like what Greg right. Roman knows. He knows really well. And his run game is creative. It's yeah. one of the more creative run games in football, and it's well coached. You know, again, this is where you know you you've heard me say this before, and I think this has to continue to be told. You know, even to our man Neil Mo, twenty ten, they're built to be a running football team, and then play off of that. So when they can't really play that way, and like we've talked about, you know, running backs are getting there healthy. Gus Edwards still not back. O-line still not 100%, but getting there. I think that's when you're going to see them be able to tie it together a little bit more and go, wait, here's a run for eight. Here's a run for eight. Oh, teams are worried about a run. Here's a run for six. And now we got to play action pass and things that look just like it off of it, and we're going to crush you that way. And now here we are in first and ten, and you're playing the defense because you're so worried about our run games going here again. Okay, we can call a play that's you know really good. It might not be Andy Reid creative, but really good. And the quarterback we got is going to dice you up and make the completion and go that way. You know That's what they want to do. That's who they are, and right now they've had to rely on the passing game too much, like you've heard me say. They've gotten it done, but it hasn't been easy, and, of course, the quarterback they, they got is, is playing phenomenal football that way, so that's certainly helped them out too. So which offense do you think is going to play better on our Sunday night game, Bengals or Ravens? Man, it's, it's, it's the battle of a pretty good offense with an – on fire quarterback in Lamar right. against a good defense in Cincinnati versus the boring, simple, we rely on our players with the most basic bullshit plays Bengals offense versus a Ravens defense that's not good anyways. So it's hard for me to say there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, that, that'll be interesting. I haven't really thought about it yet, but I don't know who I'd have more faith in. I guess right now I'd have more faith just as an offense. If we took defenses out of the conversation, I do yeah. have more faith in the Ravens offense against a generic average defense. If we just you went would generic, pick, generic, you'd pick right. the Ravens, right? I would because I'd of have... Lamar, the Lamar factor or overall, just what they do scheme, everything. Yeah. A little bit of everything. I right. just, you know, it's hard to say that, too, because the Bengals, the talent at the skill positions is great. So this is interesting. Let's but get into this. But they do them a disservice. Okay. Yes. Yeah, let's get into that. Okay. Let's, let's switch to the Bengals offense here, who did, who did pull it out against the Miami Dolphins in yep. that Thursday game where Tua got hurt, uh, unfortunately. So, yeah, I mean, just continue on your, your thought here because this is interesting. It sounds like watching the Bengals tape, you got angry. I did. I did. Because – it's just it's frustrating. It's annoying. 
uh, as I just said, it's a disservice to the talent they have on the football team, whether that's Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. They're not given the same advantages that some of the other good receivers or quarterbacks in football get. They're this, just not. Is this different than last year? Uh, it seems It seems even more basic than last year. Or they can't find the rhythm of how they want to attack or the plays they want. To, they're having a hard time adjusting to how they're being played. And then now let's go to this group of plays. Last year I felt like they had a great feel for that. There was games where I'd go, oh, they're not doing very good. Oh, He's got a feel for them here now in the third quarter, and they're just tearing them apart. And that hasn't happened in any game yet so far. So I guess that's where it's different. I never was just blown away by their offensive creativity, but said, hey, they got all the basics, and they execute, and with their talent, they should be good. But when they play a team like this and the Dolphins, who have talent and then have some game plan-specific shit, you know, everybody just runs straight or everybody just run the slant route is not going to get it done. And everybody just line up where we come out of the huddle against a defense that's very intricate and detailed is not going to get it done. I don't care if you have four Jamar Chases out there. So, yes, I'm frustrated with the Bengals. I gave them a free pass in week one with the Steelers game. Okay, hey, week one, you don't know. Steelers, like I've always said, they disguise. They do some different things. Okay, you know. I gave them a pass in the in the, the Jets game. Just going, well, the Jets, I think the defense is a little better this year. They play, you know, that Seattle three. Sometimes it's hard to create plays, you know what I mean, and figure it out that way. But they got it done. But I was uninspired by the game plan there, too. But I kind of gave it a free pass, and then I watched it this week, and I just went, "Oh my God, I just I can't take it anymore." And let alone, you know, the, the, you're doing nothing to even make the Dolphins think or have to change anything. I mean, nothing. They doubled Chase early on in the football game, almost every play. It wasn't every play, but it was almost every play, right? Then, and then there was no real plan to go to other guys or confuse them. And that's where it bothers me. You know, hey, you double and chase every play. At what point, do, like, let's send them in motion. Let's get them in a bunch. Let's get in a bunch. And now they're two guys trying to cover him with there's two other guys trying to cover the two other guys in the bunch. And they run into each other. Or don't pass up. There's none of that. It's just, hey, you line up there and run another slant route against double coverage or run another go route against double coverage. I mean, they had no answer. They had no answer and I know people like I probably got him like, what did they do to get the ball to T. Higgins? So this is what they did. They did nothing. He ran straight and they threw the ball to him. He ran they ran an all out blitz, they threw the ball right to him, and he made Xavier Howard miss and get twelve yards. I mean, I I listed the stuff they did, really, just to make the point. Here, I'm just gonna keep going. Go route, stay pass versus all out, slant route, another stay pass on a play action pass. A fake the flat route and come underneath and catch the ball against zone coverage. It was nothing special. And then he ran an in-cut versus Tampa 2 as the outside of three receivers. Right, So they did nothing game plan specific to go, oh, we cracked the code. Nothing. And it's annoying as a fan of Joe Burrow and the Bengals and a guy that I'm sitting here, I like Zach Taylor. I want to root for the Bengals. You know, I, I like their offensive coordinator, Callahan. I like them. 
I'm I'm literally saying this because I'm like I'm I'm hoping they hear this somehow and they they can change you know their approach a little bit. If you're a friend of Zach Taylor, play the podcast around him so he can hear what what Chris just said. Um, and you want to be off the hook too for when you put your hand up next to Joe Burrow and people are blaming you for the slow start. Like that you're, wasn't me. You're very it's funny. It's the offense. Uh, the homies are very smart. We've said that many times. Yeah. Goal line stand to notice something you were just talking about. Right. You go. I, I'd love to see Chris break down how the Bengals attack the Dolphins' coverage with T. Higgins. It's a defense that originates from Belichick in 2014 using Revis and Browner. So you right. kind of mentioned how they really didn't adjust all that much. Right. But can you speak to the, the defense and the philosophy here that, sure. that, uh, that Miami Dolphins used sure. against them? They, they, they played like – I mean, he's right about everything he says there. You know, one – they put their number two corner on Chase and had the safety help him out. There's a few times they went Xavier Howard man-to-man and, like, took a chance. In fact, let me just emphasize this even more. As the game went on, all right, and I don't know if I'd really emphasize this. I think I did. The second half, I wrote, they stopped doubling because they just went, he only runs three routes, so we gotta, we're good. He runs a slant, a go, and a curl route. That's all he runs. So we don't need to double that. Just be ready for those three routes, and we'll be good. I mean, that, that, that to me was like the ultimate slap in the face when they basically just started going, we'll just play regular man-to-man against your three fucking dangerous weapons, and your plays are so basic, we've kind of coached our guys up to know what you're going to run and certain for man, then we'll be good. Don't worry about it. That's where it was annoying. Hmm. But the first half of the game, back to our point here with that goal line stand too, yes, they went second guy, second corner, safety over the top of Chase, there was a few passing situations where, like the long touchdown pass to Higgins, as as uh, you know, Al Michaels and Herb Street did a great job of showing. They doubled Boyd and Chase on the right side, and then on the left side, just had the slot guy run a five yard out, and T Higgins just ran a go route, and Joe just said he's man to man. I'm going to throw the ball up to him, and there's no safety even close to over there, so I'm going to do it. But it wasn't like some cracking of the code. And again, that would be another instance where I'd go, you know, what are the Dolphins going to do if you lined up in that formation and then shifted to some bunch? And they're going to have, what, five guys on three guys and trying to figure out how to pass across out? And well, it would have screwed them all up, but it didn't matter. They don't ever have to think about it because hmm. they just line up and what they break the huddle in. But to, to the point, too, is, yeah, I think that that's the way to do it in the NFL. I've said this early in the week, too, and I said this, I think, even on the postgame show because the Saints did the opposite approach, right? put Lattimore on Justin Jefferson and try to do things on the other side to help on Thielen and whatever else. And to me, that's just not realistic anymore in the NFL. It's not. Not with, like, Debo, Jefferson, Tyreek, Jamar Chase. I don't care who the corners are. They can't cover them man-to-man. They can't. There's no corner on planet Earth that can cover those guys man-to-man with no help. So double those guys and put your best corner – on the second receiver. That is the way to go, in my opinion. And, yes, they did do that. And even did that in looks where it's you just go, how could the Bengals let them play this defense? It's bump man-to-man, and the safety is doubling. The one safety is doubling Jamar Chase, and there's no safety down the middle of the field against anybody. And they do nothing to capitalize it, nothing to stress them out, and – as you could tell, it really frustrated me watching it. That's going to be interesting to see him 
take on the Ravens because the Ravens secondary hasn't been very good at all. No, that's where I, when you so. asked me the question, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't Wait, like there's any some context it. to explain here. Could make for a high-scoring game. It could. On Sunday it night. Could. The Ravens secondary, too, though, they'll, they'll do some stuff where they're going to double and, yeah. and do stuff like that. And if you don't move and get in some formations – they're going to have some game plan creative stuff to take away some of your bread and butter plays. How will it play out? You can watch on Sunday Night Football, which, by the way, you can become a Sunday Night Football insider. Get everything you need to know every week with exclusive access to insider content, game alerts, free SNF gear. All you got to do is text Sunday NBC to 763 6222. I'll give you a second here. Get a pen. Oh, 622. Sorry. That was the wrong one. Although if you put an extra two in, you, it might still go through. I would think so. Okay, so. It's only it's only probably, you know, can take six numbers so once you get done. But here it is. 763-622 to sign up right now. Participation is mandatory. So we do need to say that. If you just heard me say that, you have you to. You have to. No, it's we, optional. We come and hunt you down <laughs> and yeah. we beat you up. All yeah. right. So you got to do that. I, well, uh, listen, if you if I seem distracted just for a second. Yeah, what's going on? Well, I got a text from Tony Dungy. Just it, now. Just now. Listening to the live version of the podcast. I, I don't That's think impossible. so. Um, but but the, when Tony Dungy texts me, I don't care where I am. I, I look. All right. So. Oh, boy. And no, this is this is good because we, we kind of just hit on this. And this is I, he must have saw in one of our sheets in our company that I was going to hit on the Chiefs play calling and the podcast. Right. Okay. So I'm going to read this. And oh, we tweeted it. OK, so that's where he saw you it. tweeted right. it. All right. Well, I didn't specifically tweet it. We know that <laughs> you said it and someone tweeted it. Pete. But but he uh, so he sends a text and I, I don't think he's going to mind that I read this, but. He, he's going to hit on the Chiefs play calling. He wrote, I thought they were fantastic. Knowing how the Bucks were going to play them, they adjusted, took what was available in the pass game, created a quick g- game and easy throws, ran the ball, being content with having 17 third downs showed me something. Hmm. They put away that we've got to get X number of 30-yard plays. I thought it was a great game plan. Whoa. Right, so... You know, me and Coach Dungy on the same page. Does there. that make you feel good? Well, it always like does. It, it does. But yes, I mean, uh, <laughs> Coach Dungy's got a great feel for that. And Coach Dungy's been a guy from really ever since I've been working on with him has been. You know, that's his question with the Chiefs too. Yeah. Can they be patient? Can they have a short passing game? Are they okay going a quarter and a half without throwing a bomb or doing something like that? And that's where we've seen tremendous growth from the Chiefs over the last, you know, year in that department. If he would have texted how bad was that Chiefs play calling, we would have had to redo the beginning <laughs> uh, of the I would have, pod. I wouldn't have, have read it. I wouldn't have read the pod. <laughs> I would have been like, oh, t- uh, yeah, oh I can't share this. Sorry. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to take a closer look at the Eagles, the only undefeated team left in the NFL against the Jaguars. Two teams with a lot of big butts. So yeah. I feel like now is a good time oh, to do the weekly Wednesday Big Butt big Awards. Sorry, we're not doing Eagles-Jaguars yet. I almost I, I jumped the gun a little bit there the big butt awards uh Kristen was able to whip up a graphic Woo! in like 15 minutes last Woo! week and there look it is that. oh now look it oh and it has the tramp stamp on button on the booty now uh-oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah this perfect trophy all right so if you were not with us last week this is where i give an award to the defensive tackle and defensive end or edge guy uh, who who had the biggest impact? Yeah. This week, according to me. Yeah. Expert. Who of else is there big to dudes. be according to? You're the expert of booties <laughs> right now. So our big butt of the week award for defensive tackles. Right. Uh, it goes to your favorite team. 
Dexter Lawrence the of the Giants. Man. 58 snaps. You know, I like that. I uh, like yep. a defensive Condition tackle. for a big guy. That plays a lot. Right. Eight hurries, most of a defensive tackle this week. He had two sacks, most of a defensive tackle this week. Five hurries, also the most. Right. He was all over it. And if you noticed, the C on his jersey, because I think the Giants have like, what, 10 captains or something uh, like that? It's like eight of them, I think. You're his right. His C fell off. They had to put it back on. So uh, even despite all of that, was able to focus and have a great game. Great. I mean, first off, he he just watching like the TV version, he does he pops a lot. He's definitely one of their best defensive football players. He's a guy that's never going to get credit, so I do love that. He's one of the better run stoppers in football and did not let, you know, Chicago's run game just dominate like we've seen it do a little bit this year. That's for sure. And, you know, for a big guy, he's tremendously athletic and showing some of that Vita Vea, who are the other big guys I'm missing? Fletcher Cox, um, Akeem Hicks of like, you don't have to take this guy off on third down just because he's 335 pounds. He, he regularly can push a guard or a center back into the quarterback's face, you know, and, and that's where he's special that way. And plus, if I'm wrong, Pete, is this a contract year for Dexter Lawrence? So Ooh. I would think there's some – oh, 50 – for next year, he's fifth-year option. But either way, it's coming to that point here where he'd like a new contract, and uh, he's he's definitely one of the the better better players on the Giants D for sure. Sexy Dexy, uh, he was your number two defensive tackle according to Pete in yeah, the draft that he was. year, uh, probably to Quinnen Williams, I would guess. Quinnen Williams one, Dexter Lawrence two. Dexter Lawrence was one of those a little bit like Jordan Davis, where I was like. Why is this guy nobody talking about him in the top 10? Like, why is he not a top 10, top 12 pick? And really, I don't think anybody expected the Giants to even pick him that early. I think that kind of caught people by surprise. But, man, when you're that big and you move that way, that, that's rare in this league. You had him over Ed Oliver. Yeah. Who ended up going top 10 to Buffalo. And he's outplayed Ed Oliver at yeah. this point, you to think? The, to the, yeah, it's, it's, it's close. Ed's coming on here the last year, year or so. But, yeah, it's, it's close. Christian Wilkins from the Dolphins are mm. also in that draft. He's been pretty shit, good. Shit, he's good. Jeffrey Simmons in that draft, too. Ooh, shit. <laughs> okay. So, if I had to re-rank those, just while yeah. we're here having fun, yeah. you'd probably make mm, – I'd probably make uh, Jeffrey Simmons or Wilkins, or they're one and two. Yeah. Uh, and then – Man, Quinnen's come on here the last year or two. Uh, that's where it would get dicey. They've it, all played well, though. It's not like all, anyone's it's not, super it's not been a It's not been a bust of, for any of them. You're right. They've all really helped their football teams for sure. The defensive end, big bud of the week, our yeah. edge big bud of the week. Mm. I really couldn't go anywhere else. It was obvious. Well, he's such a freak show, right? Nick Bosa, 14, yeah. quarterback, 14 quarterback pressures. I mean, Matt Stafford was running scared. Why wouldn't he be? He was what's stressed out the whole Stafford? game. What's wrong with Matt Stafford? Can you explain that to me? <laughs> Nick Bosa is what's wrong with him. They should get golf back. Trade him. See if Detroit will take golf for Stafford. Bosa has six sacks already. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, golf has been awesome for my Detroit Lions. I know. Uh, he has six sacks already. He's on pace for 25 and a half this year. The single-season sack record in danger. He can do it, especially if they have a healthy D-line. You know, they're like, you know, freaky physically, especially when, you know, Armstead and Kinlaw are both healthy as well. And then, like, like the thing we talk about with the Bengals where we'd like, can you give these talented guys an advantage? D'Amico Ryans gives them advantages. Right. He gets in you, – you see the game on Monday night. They get in some sets where 
you know, there's six, seven guys in the line of scrimmage. You don't know who the fuck's blitzing, who's dropping out, and it creates, you know, chaos and issues, let alone, I mean, is there a better-looking specimen in football than Nick Bosa? I mean, I'm really, his, I think his ears have muscles. I mean, it's, it's insane <laughs> yeah. what he looks like. Uh, he's amazing. I know Shanahan's been complaining that he's getting held too much. That was something they turned into the league. But, yeah, he's on pace for, you know, defensive player of the year type of stuff. He, he is such a pops every game in all categories, not just a pass rusher and everything. Uh, no question, one of the best defensive players in football. It's usually a harbinger of the defensive player of the year. They get a couple of the big butt of the week awards. Yeah. And so he's already got one. Whoa, so he's man. well on he's his, on way. his way. He is there. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Speaking of big butts, right. Eagles have a lot. Jaguars have a lot. Yes, they do. Two good defensive teams. Got a, uh, some guys on the offensive line, too. So you kind of wanted to dive deeper into the Jaguars. We did that last week, too, and looked at Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson's offense, and you really liked a lot of the things you saw there, and then he totally ruined it this past week, although the wet conditions seemed to have an effect on, on Trevor Lawrence. But let's start on the other side of the ball because it was the Eagles showing the ability to come back against a pretty good defense, I, th- I think an above-average defense in the league. And so that, I think that was impressive, right? Yep. And the Eagles have been impressive this year. Um, so are you okay with starting with the – Eagles offense here yeah, and what sure. you saw here. Yeah. So Eagles offense, Jalen Hurts trying to rub it in your face for leaving him off the top 40 list. The <laughs> Eagles yeah. fans are trying to rub it in your face. They never forget. Well, he was in there this year, though. But uh, he was not high enough. That's, that's, uh, well, I'm learning that already. Creeping, creeping up there. Um, the ability to come back. The ability to do it with the run. Again, we've seen that before. Dominate in the run game against a, a team that I don't think a whole lot of other teams are going to be able to run the ball as successfully against. Um, were you impressed when you took a closer look at the Eagles' offense? I was. I was. I won because just first off, their ability to adjust. You know, and the game wasn't pretty early on, and they still like just show grit. They don't panic or anything like that, and then they adjust properly. I thought here, here was the thing that that jumped out to me early on in the football game. I felt like they came out going, "They're going to try to stop the run, so let's throw it." And the Jags came out going, "I think they're going to come out throwing." So let's play pass defense and not let them get rolling that way or we're going to be in trouble here. Hmm. So they played pass defense early, and I thought the Eagles were a little stubborn in their first few drives of keep throwing the football. And where you saw it kind of change a little bit was when they finally said, okay, all right, life is hard. They're pretty good up front, and they're pretty good coverage, and they're playing coverage defenses. we got to start to run the football a little bit. And to me, that was when you know the game really changed a little bit as far as the Eagles and the momentum that way. Um, you know, I know we're going to talk about the Jags offense. But yeah, the defense gave them a little bit of a jump-off point with some of the turnovers and you know the fourth-down stops to kind of get them going that way. But I think that was the thing that you know jumped out to me more than anything. They got the run game going and then dominated with it. And I don't know, Fadu Kasi, he must have got hurt during the football game because he didn't play much after early on. And they, yeah, so something must have happened there. 
and they wore out the defensive tackles for the Jacksonville Jaguars in the running game. The defense ends, you, you can't wear them out. Walker and Allen are studs. Defensive tackle, Roy Robertson-Harris, he's a good player. He's not a run-stopping, run-stuffer type of guy. He got pushed around a little bit, and so did the rest of the group there You know that was playing. And, and that was really where the game turned, in my opinion, was the running attack. And then once they got that going, Jalen makes his handful of big throws to really now you go, oh, gosh, they got it going, and where do you stop it from there? He put him behind the eight ball a little bit with a pick six early on to your guy, Andrew Sisko, who you noted looks really fast. Really fast, the other way, no he, doubt about he it. He definitely did. You yep. said bad throw, bad decision there. But from that point forward, a lot of, lot of running, a lot of screens, quick passes, kind of a lot of the same notes it seems like from the, the Chiefs game plan almost. It was just like short stuff, quick stuff. Yeah. Um, what did you see from Hurts? Well, Hurts played really good. I mean, his running, the screens, run game overpowering, and you know, like I said, versus the pass looks, that was a real thing there. Um, but you know, I thought really after that first mistake, maybe forced another ball or two. Other than that, it was, it was a pretty clean football game. It was. And then, you know, they get them into, okay, now we're running the ball with a little success here. And, you know, they, okay, we got a one-on-one. We got a little play action. We got a slant here to A.J. Brown. And they start to carve you up that way. And they pretty much start to have their way with whatever they want to do there. But Hurts looked good. It was not a Hurts game to where you come away just going, oh, man, he was the showcase. The showcase of the game was their running game. That was like the best pure running game I think they've showed all year. You know, minus, you know, Hurts big runs or scrambles or that way. Truly with the running back between the tackles was really, really impressive yeah, that way. 134 yards for Miles Sanders. So can they, I mean, if they can do that against the Jaguars, you noted maybe they had some injuries uh, on that defensive front. But the offensive line yeah. for the Eagles has been good for a while. Right. But we've been saying that with the Colts, too. And we saw it with the Dallas Cowboys. At a certain point, sometimes those guys, Jason Kelsey's been around a long time, fade a little bit or yeah, fall off. I know. No indication of that so far? Well, not from him. And the, the good thing is, I mean, they drafted a center in the second round to take over. That's where they've, they've almost, you know, Lane Johnson's nowhere near the end. Yeah. Mulata left tackles nowhere near the end. The guard, Landon Dick, uh, Dickerson, they, he said it's just the second year out of Alabama. He's there for a while. Isaac Siamolo, Siamolo, excuse me, I'm sorry, I know I'm butchering that. You know, he's still got a number of good years left from him that way. Uh, So that's where you just look at it and just go, no, there's no weakness across the board. It really isn't. And, you know, I I said it, just that that to me was the big thing. It's like the game got to 14-7, right, where Hurts on that one drive, you know, they they make it 14-7, all right, he hits, you know, a little screen to 11, hits a pass to Goddard, and then it's like, here we go, all right? And then the big plays of that drive, let me just explain this to put a little context sure. in it, because they had third and goal at the 16, right? And they let Hertz scramble up the middle two times in a row for a touchdown. And Hertz, I mean, the second one, to lower his shoulder the way he did against – you know, Devin Lloyd was very impressive. I mean, it really is. What a tough sucker he is, definitely. All right? But that was the big thing. And then it seems like on the next drive, they were like, okay, wait. What are we doing? Why are we trying to keep passing the ball here? Let's start running the football. And at the end of the half, you know, I don't know, Pete, I thought I heard you say a number. I mean, it, it was almost like they ran the ball every play. They, the Gotsis, the D-tackle, 
uh, Hamilton 52. They were absolutely getting dominated at defensive tackle. That's where I asked, like, where is Fadu Kasi? And I think Roy Robertson-Harris was out right. for the drive, just taking a break. And then that, along with, you know, some of the moving parts they have behind the line of scrimmage, I think confused the linebackers a little bit at times where they were supposed to be in this gap, but, oh, wait, the running back went this way or this guy went this way, and they take the wrong step and they're out of position, and that caused them a little bit. But, yeah, the O-line took over the football game, I guess is what I'm really trying to say more than anything here in this, in this one for the Eagles. Eagles defense, too, you were critical of a little bit early on in the season, just weren't special enough, weren't doing enough things to confuse the offenses out there. You did know that they're doing more on D. For Philly, as we switch over to that side of the ball, then they have maybe the first couple weeks of the season. Is that right? I, there, there's no doubt about that. Uh, the, the, there was more. I, I think. I think there was honestly a little bit of. I saw a little more creativity against Washington, and in this game, I think they basically realized, like, wait, we got to mix it up. They're too good. They're gonna. They're gonna. They're gonna have their way with us if we just get in. We're playing quarters. They're gonna run the ball, or hey, we're down here playing man to man, and. They're going to throw the ball. So they respected the Jags' offense. I, I got the sense that they respected the Jags' talent across the board, really. Hmm. I did. And, yeah, that was, I think, the thing that I was um, – there was more everything, more looks, more disguises, more blitzes, just more schemes altogether. I think that was the big thing that, that, I, that jumped out to me. You know, they get the pick six. They put together a good drive. Um you know, Trevor had a few third down conversions. There was one good run, and you know that's it. And there they are, fourteen nothing. But that's when the wheels kind of fell off, and the wheels fell off. You know, one because the Eagles' defense started to do some creative things, and two because Trevor Lawrence just he had the the worst game we've seen him have in a, in a little while. That's for sure. One week after praising, I know, right? It's like I gave, well, he, it's like you get yeah. the big butt award. You get it, and you think you've made it, <laughs> and you kind of let off the gas pedal a little bit. Well, it's it's kind of like one of those things where it's like the going gets tough, right? Let's let's see you do it in a game where it's rainy and you got a good defense and you got the only undefeated team left in the NFL. And when things started to go bad, it snowballed for Trevor Lawrence. It did seem like he had trouble gripping the football. It d- definitely did. And there's no question about that. Uh, it affected some of his throws, you know, not greatly, but enough to where I go, oh, you know, I don't think that ball came out of his hand totally clean or totally with the power that he wanted it to, right? You know, and and early on, like, you know, you could tell the 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 the, the big butts were on the field for the Eagles to start the game, which told me that they respected the size and power and physicality of the Jags' offensive line there, and they were they were going to stop the run. Left them a lot of good looks in the past game. And, you know, to me, hey, we talked about the turning point a little bit the other day. It's 14 to nothing, right? It's first down. The the Eagles are playing the five-man five, da- five man front. They have a double move by Agnew on the outside. He's there. He's He's gone. It's a touchdown. Lawrence misses him, but... Misses him because he's got Jordan Davis breathing down his neck too, so he's got to throw the ball a little, you know, quicker than he wants. I mean, that that was a big play of the game for me to go. Ooh, if Jordan Davis isn't there, you know, who knows what happens here? And this could, game could be twenty-one nothing. You know, then we go two plays, then we get to the fourth down, and that's where Trevor drops the football, and he's got a completion or a run probably for the first down. Either way, definitely has a completion in the flat, doesn't get that, and really the game was never the same after that point on. You thought that the Jags were able to run against the four-man front. As soon as the Eagles went to the five-man front, they didn't have a chance. No, no chance at all. Absolutely not. It's just a, 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 you just 
when you put Reddick and you know, uh, Gra- you know, uh, Brandon Graham on the edges, those type of players, or or Sweat opposite of Hassan Reddick, and then you got the three big asses, the six cheeks there. Like, good luck. I don't care who you are. You're you're not going to be able to move the ball. But yeah, I thought there was, you know, a sign of respect with the Eagles on that side of the ball to go. Wait, wait. They pose some problems with us. We can't just line up and say, yeah, we're better than you. And we're going to beat you. And I thought that was kind of cool to see too. And I just looking through. Do you think their you know, speed gets underrated a little bit for the Eagles defense? I do. We talk about the big butts, right? But they're pretty fast. They are fast. I think when you you know, you talk about the safety position a little bit, the second level guys, I think that were a jump out to me, Ahmed. I'm glad you led me down this road a little bit. You know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who they traded for the Saints, he's kind of their nickel or safety guy in the box sometimes. He, of course, is incredibly aggressive and fast. And then the two linebackers, Kazir White, who, you know, had been with the Chargers uh, for years, and and Gannon, who was with the Chargers and then went to the Colts, I'm sure has knowledge of him. And then T.J. Edwards out of Wisconsin, they can run too. And to me, really, that's what takes a defense from fast to really fast. Is when the linebackers and the down safety are fast. That's when we start to go, whoa, you know, their defense is really fast, mm-hmm. right? Like think about it. like all the defenses in football. We say that about the 49ers. Oh wait, they got Greenlaw and and uh, you know. Fred Warner, Fred Warner yeah. right, fast as hell with Hufunga as their guy that's down in the box, right, fast as shit, right? You talk about the Bucks. oh, it's Levante David and Devin White and, and, oh, the guy they bring down, Antoine Winfield, he can fly, right? So that's really, when you talk about fast defenses, it usually is that aspect of the defense that takes you over the top where you start to go, whoa, they can fly, and uh, they are. They're a special, gr- uh, special gr- uh, group right there. Is this just part of the learning process for Trevor? It's just like he's going to have games like last week where you're praising him. Everything looks in sync. Everything's flowing. And then he has games where it's rainy. Things aren't going quite right, and he reverts back. Yeah, it just you – know, I think this is part of the growing pains of the Jags a little bit, you know. Whether it's, you know, the drop ball, the game's 14-14, to 14 and we fumble a quarterback snap, right? And then you get a 35-yard drive for a touchdown. Like, that can't happen. Or, wait, I have two wide-open people and we're in the red zone and I throw an interception? You know, that can't happen. So, yeah, I I think it's just a learning process. I do. I I don't look at it and go, oh, I'm concerned. But also just awareness of the game, the situation. Wait, their defense is really good and they're being creative. I can't just sit here in the pocket and be so focused downfield. I have no feel for Hassan Reddick coming around the edge and getting me when they're rushing five or maybe even six sometimes, right? I think those are things that he learns from and uh, gets better as we go along here. Jaguars got the Texans coming up. Uh, Eagles at Arizona. Every game we look at now, we're like, oh, can can they beat the Eagles? Can they be the team to pop the corks for the Miami Dolphins' undefeated season? Who the Eagles got this week? Cardinals. Cardinals? I doubt it. All right, and then the Jags this week. I know I'm just looking at it. they got the Texans, Texans. right? So do I mean, they get back on track? I, I I would think so. You know, I I really do think so. You know, I, I I'm still a believer in the Jags. You know, game one, hey, you lose that. This was a this was a different animal they had to play against, and it was a learning experience. But they're still like positives too. Yeah. You know, like I said, when when you said it, like when they played four man fronts, the Jags ran the ball on them. They had to adjust their way they play. You don't see the Eagles adjust like that a whole lot. Um, but, 
yeah, you know, all in all, I think it's just one where hopefully they get a little bit, you know, more battle tested and tough and and uh, become a better football team when you talk about Jacksonville. We know Philly's a good team. They're the best team in football. All right, we're going to get into Zach Wilson, what you saw from him, your original man crush before the Jacksonville Jaguars got so good this year. Uh, Kenny Pickett as well, his first start in the NFL. But first, we want to do some quick hitters. Here's some uh, some games that you watched, some of them on just TV. You didn't dive into the film, but you just saw, got a good feel, a better feel now for them. So quick hitters. On the Indianapolis Colts, who lost to the Titans 24-17. Quick take on Matt Ryan. What's going on here? What's wrong? Well, it just they're a, just a mistake-riddled offensive football team right now. So it goes beyond Matt Ryan. Well, it does a little bit. I mean, there's the offensive line stinks, right? I don't think their pass game scares anybody as of right now with lack of big plays down the field. And that's where the Matt Ryan conversation comes into it a little bit because I think his lack of arm power is part of that problem there. You know, frail, gets hit, fumbles a little too much right now. Frail? Frail, yeah. Little, it's, 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 it's frail looking. I know I'm not the only person in football that thinks that. I've gotten like five texts through first four weeks to go, does Matt Ryan look too skinny to you? Hmm. Yes, he does. Like I said on Monday, I'd rather see him be 10 pounds heavier and have some armor and have some more strength in his arm rather than this right here where I go, you know, I don't know. You're not any faster. Um, but, yeah, I think that's, that's a concern for this Colts football team. This was a game that when I got done watching it, you kind of sit there and go, eh, I don't know how I feel about either team. Really? You know, there were some positive signs for the Titans that they got things going for sure. But, you know, even them, they mistakes they make. It just it just was uh, kind of an ugly football game. But the Colts are mistakes every week right now. You got to be worried more about the Colts than Titans after watching that. Definitely. Though. Definitely. The Titans are closer for sure. The Colts are getting whooped up front. And, you know, even in this game where I thought, oh, their defense should be able to slow down the Titans running game. They weren't unable to. The Titans showed some signs of us going, ooh, ooh, they look like the old Titans. Now, it just wasn't consistent through the game. But, yeah, you know, whether it's the lack of run game, butt kicked up front by the Colts, Ryan not looking all that great. Um, yeah, there's just not a lot to write home right now about the, the Indianapolis Colts. Over with the Titans, Lucas Seifert says, hey, Chris, have hey. you figured out why the Titans are so crap? In the second half. He didn't say crap, Yeah, but I did. Well, Also, yeah. w- what's wrong yeah. with our secondary? Right. Double question. <sighs> second half, I feel like my, my assessment would be that teams get in the second half and they sell out to stop Derrick Henry a little bit more. Like It's the second week in a row where we kind of saw success in the first half of Derrick Henry against the Raiders. We saw it in this game. They kind of saw it in the Giants game early on this year, too. And I feel like they, in the second half, go, okay, wait, what are they doing to beat us? Oh, we're getting beat by that guy. And teams kind of play the, we're going to put more one, one, one more egg in the stop the run basket, and we'll take our chances with the pass game. And the Titans just don't have a pass game enough right now to scare you or anybody that scares you that way. So I think that's where I go to it. You know, and again, they're doing their best to make it better. They've infused Derrick Henry in the pass game a little bit more yeah. the last few weeks, but there's only so many ways they can get him the ball. You know, Tannehill, you know, I thought for the most part really looked good. But yeah, when it becomes, oh no, our running game is not effective at all, they can't rely on their pass game to kind of 
hold down the fort or continue to move the football down the field. And that, to me, is their biggest issue right now. Secondary, you know, I guess pass rush, not as dominant as I would have expected. And and really, I guess the other thing that I would say, you know, it's it's hard to say. Maybe too many different coverages, you know, trying to do too much on the back end. Maybe they need to simplify it to a degree. I just feel like, you know, whether it was the Bills game, you know, the Giants game, you know, they find ways to make plays through their game planning against them. And uh, they seem, yeah, a little too easy to pick apart at times. And I think that's a little concerning as well. Yeah, so a a win for the Titans, but still some concerning aspects for them, even more so for the the Colts. I think the Washington Commanders got a lot of concerning things going on with that football team right now, Uh, not least of which they just lost to a division rival in the Dallas Cowboys 25-10. to Real quick on the Dallas Cowboys offense here. Um, Cooper Rush has been getting a lot of praise. Right. Well, deservedly so. You step in as as a backup quarterback. You run the offense to the point where some people are saying, like, man, we're looking better than we did with Dak Prescott. Yeah, stop. What do you say to those people? I, I oh, would really say it. stop, and yeah. then you need to be drug tested for, like, okay. serious wow. drugs. So not only just stop what you're saying, but go to go a medical to the, clinic. Go to the medical center. Go to the Quest Diagnostic, Diagnostic <laughs> Center and get drug tested. Yeah. Like, stop. Yeah, because you think they'll find something. Well, the, the, this is, like, my point here with this. See, they're giggling. They liked it. They liked it up there. Not you two. You two well don't get the, drug tested. You're good. Played well to the audience here. But, but the... The first off, if Dak Prescott had the stat line Cooper Rush had had the last three weeks, we'd go, what's wrong with Dallas and Dak Prescott, right? But because the expectations are low and we didn't expect them to even win some of these games, now we're going to give them, you know, steady blowjobs here. And he's a franchise quarterback. Sorry, I know you weren't expecting that to come out of my mouth right (laughs) there. Yeah. Um, So that, that to me is a little, it's misconstrued that way. Now, hey, they've been favorable with the schedule, right? I mean, the Bengals reeling week two, not what we think they're going to be. You got to play the Giants, right? I mean, the Giants, yes, I know we're 3-1, and one, but I don't think any of us sit here and expect them to be like, the Giants are in the battle for the one seed. Yeah. I don't even expect really – I expect it to go the wrong way at some point here, all right? And then the Commanders are also like one of the teams you'd look at and go, they're kind of a disaster. It's one of those things where without the Dallas Cowboys defense, we probably would not be talking about Cooper Rush. Well, that, right now. they're <laughs> going to need Dak Prescott. Yeah. They, they, like these matches have been favorable to where they could play this balanced style of football. They don't need to rely on the offense to really push the envelope or make any of the plays in any of these games. And. The defense has been phenomenal, and that's the two cents. I mean, Dan Quinn, again, I, I've, given him, I've, I've given him a lot of praise this week just because it's two weeks in a row I've watched them on film and just gone, man, they do a lot of different stuff, right? They're creative, and their defensive line has more talent than I gave them credit for, and their secondary is really good in all aspects, especially covering man-to-man. But, like, in this game alone, I just, like, this game was 7-6 to six, Washington, Okay, with a minute and 30 seconds left in the first half. And Washington couldn't do anything. But we're ready to name Cooper Rush the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And that's where I just want to go. We've we've all gone insane in sports media (laughs) or anybody that has a Twitter handle or anything like that. And then he threw two pitiful interceptions in the game. 
but got lucky that there was a penalty on the other side of the field. It wasn't like interceptions of like, oh, that guy that intercepted it held the receiver, and that's why I got it. It was like no one would have known it was a penalty on the other side of the field unless the flag went down. Had nothing to do with the play. He just had a shamrock up his ass, and the play got wiped out. So, you know, I was there in person for the Giants last week. There was a lot of plays to be had that didn't get delivered on. And there was a, and that game shouldn't have been a one-score game. So that's where I want to say everybody be quiet. Dak Prescott is on another level, and at some point, and that's why don't bring him back this week if he's not 100%. As they go down the stretch, they're not going to be able to continue to win games just like this, running the ball for 49 yards and you know defense being dominant and okay you know, I just made the plays where the guys were wide open. They're going to need more than that, and that's where Dak Prescott's going to come in very handy for their football team when all said and done. One thing about the commanders, I won the mums, asks, who is the bigger problem for the commanders, the defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, or the offensive coordinator, Scott Turner? Or I'll give you this option, the players. <laughs> all right, so for Scott Turner, I think it's more of the offensive line players. Yes. I don't look at it and go, oh, man. I just go, their offensive line, they can't block anybody on a weekly basis. It doesn't, you don't have to trick it up or do anything. It's just like, here's Demarcus Lawrence, here's Micah Parsons, and your guy's going to get his ass kicked. So it's hard for me to always fault Scott Turner there. And then they can't run the ball either because they get their ass kicked in that department too. So, like – I, not much ha- you can do. There's not much you can do. He's a little handcuffed. On the other side, there is stuff you can do. And they have, what, three first-rounders on the D-line? A first-round linebacker? I mean, there's enough talent to go around to where they should not look the way they look. That That's for sure. And, yeah, you know that that's – so there's my – Dust up Del Rio is the problem. Okay, that's <laughs> the problem. That, I had a feeling that might be coming. Yeah, all, right, who, that was coming. all right, who do who's to blame? Yeah. for the Rams' offense not clicking so far. They lost to the 49ers twenty-four to nine. It could be big butt of the week award winner Nick Bosa uh, for this last week, but the Rams' offense has not looked great all season long so far. So you took a little bit closer look at that that game. I don't know if you looked at the film for this one or, or not. Um, what's going on? Matthew Stafford had that elbow injury. He doesn't look the same. He, Allen Robinson's like not even part. Of the offense, Allen Robinson's like not weird. the same guy anymore. What what happened? You know, he's he's solid, but Allen Robinson lost a gear. There, so there's no doubt about that. In the off season, I thought he was okay last yeah, year. Well, yeah, he was he was okay. I mean, you know, again, I don't know if he was really ever blowing by anybody. Sure, you know, in Chicago the last year or two or anything of that nature. But again, you know, you're getting to the point of your career where. Okay, yeah, you get up there here. We're getting to this point. What year is this for Allen Robinson? Nine? I'm looking right now, yeah. Yeah, let me know. I'm going to say it's eight, nine, maybe ten. I mean, they were, we're nine. Right. Nine. You're nine. Okay. So, oh, yeah, last year, um, last year was not a good year for him. It was two years. Yeah, he's two years removed from his last 1,000-yard season. Uh, he only played 11 games last year. Right. So maybe, yeah, maybe well, he's Well, he... He, he's only he's, 29, only 29 years old. Pete knows. Yeah, that's, that's all right. It's just, it's wear and tear on your body. And you know, you can only run four low four fours for so long. Yeah. And so that like, and again, not to say that he can't be effective, but I don't know if he's the guy that you want to be your clear cut number two, right? The problem with their offense, I, I think, you know, Troy Aikman said it, you know, you've already said it in this podcast. You've heard me try to say this to people. That's why I don't think the Rams are even a chance of repeating as a Super Bowl. They lost more players than we think. 
Their left tackle is an issue worth retiring. Their all-line is not as good. Okay, so that's an issue. They can't run the ball. And McVay is a master, and I think if we went back last year and all their big plays and stats, they're like the, one of the number one play actions in football, play action teams in football. That's really where he draws up his big plays and really screws you over. And so that, and then coupled with, really, there's no receiver on the football team that scares a defense. So you can kind of play downhill the whole time. Outside there's, of Cooper Cup. Yeah, right, Cooper Cup. And he's even him, as good as he is, he's not the guy you're going, oh, we're worried about him 70 yards over the top all the time, right? I mean, he, he's capable of beating you deep, but that's not his bread and butter. His bread and butter is like great release, great route running, you know, burst out of the break, catch a 15-yard, you know, out route or post-corner route or something like that, right? They've lost that big playability, you're saying. Well, they've lost the big playability because, yeah, there's no Van Jefferson who did supply a little take the top off the defense. And Odell, despite stats or whatever, that was the best thing Odell did is because people started out to go, whoa, he can run by anybody on our team. So we got to get some people back to help him, and that helped out Cooper Cup and the rest of the offense. So there's a number of things there. And to couple that is, you know, McVay's offense is real good. I don't think it's like Shanahan good or Andy Reid good as far as just pure creativity. I think McVay is an awesome at sequencing of plays and checks and balances kind of offensive coordinator. Oh, wait, you're overplaying this. I have this play. Oh, we've done this play a few times. Okay, I got a play that looks just like it, and now we do this off of it. And they can't get in a rhythm or anything to go like, wait, this is what we're good at, so now we can get you to overplay it, right? Like in the the old days, you used to hear me say, oh, inside zone, and then speed sweep, inside zone, and speed sweep. And sure. he would play those off of each other. And he would go, damn, you're good at the inside zone, and they're good at the speed sweep. And now he's got a play action and a play action screen off of it and all these plays off of it to where you go, okay, so if you overplay any one aspect, he's got a, a, a list of plays to go off of it with. They don't have anything like that in their bread and butter, so now they become drop-back pass offense with a shitty pass protection offensive line and you know a pass scheme that's good, but I don't like go, oh, wow, it's the most creative thing or they do the most different things I've ever seen in my life, and then you add that with lack of firepower at the position, that lends itself to a lot of four-yard throws over the middle to Cooper Cup, and that's what we saw the other night. Yeah, and I mean, it's... It's yeah. not fun to watch because I drafted Allen. I drafted Allen Robinson in my fantasy league, right. and that has not been enjoyable because he's been on the field. That's the crazy thing; he's been on the field a ton too. It's not like he's not playing, uh, running a lot of routes. So now that the odds are shifting, according to our friends over at BetMGM in the NFC West, uh, everyone is two and two in this division right now. How about that? It's like we're right back to where we started in this division. Uh, So the odds last week compared to this week, if you're watching on YouTube or on Peacock right now, they've shifted. The Rams were the odds-on favorite last week. Now they have the same odds as the 49ers. They're both plus 120. Cardinals have actually gotten a little worse at plus 650. And uh, the Seahawks have gotten better, but they're still there at plus 2,500, 2,500. So, I mean, at this point, how, how can you not, after watching that game yesterday and how good the 49ers defense is, and you figure Jimmy Garoppolo will get in rhythm, and, I mean, they almost they made the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo were a throwaway from winning it. Right. And it's like, I, how, how, right? how are the 49ers Same. not the favorite? Exactly. It's, it's not even fucking close. I can just tell you right now. It's not even close. I don't give a shit what the records are. I don't care if the 49ers, everybody goes to 3-2 and two and the 49ers go to 2-3 and three next week. The 49ers are the best team in that division period it will show itself as the year goes along 
I mean, they're playing there again the other night with what? Missing a guard, missing a tackle, missing Trent Williams, Eric Armstead's out of the game, Javon Kinlaw. I mean, it just doesn't even matter. It yeah. doesn't. They're still. You still go. What's that? Say that, Pete. Right, and Trent lost Williams Trent Williams' backup, backup yeah. too. Right, I know. So you know they're not even at full strength. Running backs hurt, and it, it's clear. So yeah, it's only Jimmy Garoppolo's second start, and as we saw, you know he was iffy in that game once again, where they it shouldn't have been seventeen to nine in the third quarter. I'm sitting there at home going, oh my gosh, they're gonna have to sweat this out. They're kicking the crap out of the Rams, like you're saying. Yeah, you're watching the game. Everything in your eye is going. One team is far more advanced and better than the other, but it's 17 to nine. How is that possible? It's possible because there was five or six pass plays in the first half that should have been huge gains that weren't because of Jimmy Garoppolo plain and simple. So that's the struggle of them, but he will get better. I hope. And I just think they're clearly the best team in that division. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm surprised that plus 120, we got to get a representative here from bet MGM. To, yeah. to to explain himself, I, right? Well, I know. You're, it's, Not that I mean, no, they must but, have the reasons. They're smart. Vegas is always smart. Yeah. Usually smarter than us. Right. But it does seem pretty well, clear right now. It's probably the Jimmy Garoppolo effect. Or you think that the Rams will get their I think there's going. probably of that, too. People think the Rams will start to get this going. Which, you know, again, I think it'll get better. And especially if they get an OBJ back. But I don't think it's going to get anywhere near to where it was last year. I would be really surprised by that. There's flaws within the Rams roster this year as the, that were not there last year, and uh, it's going to be a difference for them to where, yeah, you know my thoughts. I think they're a team that barely gets in the playoffs type of football team when all sudden done this year. I'll tell you what, if it goes downhill for the Rams, though, as a Lions fan, not the worst thing ever. We still get that first-round pick this year. Oh. And, so, and, and they got Stafford got his Super Bowl. I right. love that. So I was you rooting win, for him win last across year. across the board here. Now if they have a down year and, and Stafford just has to say, you know what, I'm going to not play the last 10 games, that's okay with me. All right, and then let's just squash one other thing here while we're on this this subject, okay? And that would be the, like, stop. I, I hear the conversation of, is Jared Goff better than Matthew Stafford? It's become a thing on social media. Mm. I mean, literally had people talking about it to me yesterday morning in the building. Like, Okay, I'll say this. Yes. So I think last year Stafford got his – his due as he should as he should have right you know i've always been a big time proponent he's been the best player that the lions have had the last decade right right uh, i've always liked him so i think he got his due right i think maybe the argument would be that right now jared goff is playing better than matthew stafford well i mean statistically sure like not even that stafford's hurt he's got an elbow injury i, I don't know. know that i don't know that he looks 100 percent. no i don't lions no. were playing down their running back to their two top wide receivers last week of course they were playing the seahawks i know but. it's this is a horrible defense you yeah. know just like their defense is so they're in these games where it's it's it gets to be a shootout and get whatever else you know but we forget he threw we forget he threw a pick six that put him down by 16 and threw a pick six in week one against the eagles right and you know, don't worry about that. I know. As well, that's what we, we, oh, it does. It does, and then it doesn't really matter about the Vikings game they lost. That just doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just because it doesn't fit the narrative right now. It's cool to say Jared Goff might be better than the guy who won the Super Bowl. Like, get out of here with that. And like, I'm gonna say this, and I don't think I'm crazy. I never even thought about it, and I'm gonna say it out loud right now. The oh Lions' God. offense has more talent than the Rams. Whoa. Yeah. What? Tight end, I'm taking T.J. Hawkinson. 
Running back, I'm taking DeAndre Swift. Okay, I'll give them Cooper Cup. Rest of the receiving crew, I'm taking the Lions. And we Offensive even, line? Yeah. Right. We haven't even gotten there. You were about to say we haven't even talked about it. It's not even close. Lions have one of the best offensive lines in football. Jamison Williams is going to play here in a couple weeks, probably. So you got him coming up, too, with three rockets up his ass. So I hope that puts it into perspective a little bit more. Yeah. All right? And there's Matt Stafford with no running game, horrible pass protection, and Allen Robinson, who runs 4-6, and Cooper Cup. That's all he's got right now. That's, That's a tough way to live. So I just, again, man. Gosh, Cooper Rush and Jared Goff conversation this week make my <laughs> head blow up. A bonus rant. Bet MGM, I hope you're happy. The action never stops at Bet MGM. Sign up now using the bonus code SIMS. Your first wager risk free up to $1,000, Chris. Say, so, uh, Ahmed, so say you bet uh-huh. 100 on the Seahawks to win the NFC. What? If you win, you'll get $2,500. You also have to be crazy to bet on the Rams (laughs) to win the NFC West. Yeah. But if you lose, you'll still get $100 worth of free bets. No risk. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com. Enter bonus code SIMS, two M's, to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right now, final little deal of the day, and then we'll get to the pun of the day. We got we to... Gotta, rip through this because we got plays to do on social media as well right so we got a lot to still do here that i hope you are following chris sims on twitter so you can see those um i want to get a little bit on zach wilson and kenny pickett yeah let's do it first time we saw zach wilson this year first time we've ever seen kenny pickett in a regular season football game so zach wilson first of all brought his jets back made some big-time throws, as you noted. You've always yep. been a lover of Zach Wilson. I am. I'm a lover of his talent and the way he throws the football. Did your, love gr- did your love grow when watching the film of him this game? It did. I, I don't know how it could not. You know, he went through a rough patch there late in the second quarter, early third quarter, where he made some questionable decisions and got a little aggressive throwing the football, where you're like, okay, whoa, reel it in. But, you know, the the one thing to me – that is not arguable is the fact that his talent and his arm talent pop off the screen. There's no doubt about that in my mind. You know, his, his, his quickness and his release, the ball flies through the film. It's up there with the elite arms in the sport where you got to go, whoa, wait, hold on. Let me slow that down. Is it Whoa, that was the ball that went through the screen there. And so it's, it's that. And the way he can get out of his hands is real there too. You know, his ability, his twitchiness as as an athlete kept them out of some bad situations in the game. You know, I think we said this on Monday because I got caught a few of these plays when we were, you know, trying to watch everything on Sunday where there was a handful of plays where I go, well, if this is any other quarterback in the Jets, it's it's third and 24 because they got sacked. But he got out of it, threw it away, turned the corner, maybe ran for a few yards. So all that was really good. You know, they, they didn't protect them all that great early on, but they got better as the game went on. And then I think the encouraging thing is the plays I see called, the degree of difficulty of throws he's asked to make, all tell me that they trust him and that they believe in his talent. 
And I think that's the thing I like. And then, of course, you know, you're down 20 to 10, and some of that is because of, you know, a stupid interception going into score at the end of the first half where, in all honesty, um, uh, Elijah Moore screwed him over and stopped running his right. He's supposed to run the clear out, and he kind of stopped and let the corner now turn back and go, wait, what's going on? And he was like, whoa, the guy's running a deep crosser right at me, and the quarterback's staring right over here. I'm going to go pick that off. So Elijah Moore screwed him over there. The picks, or not pick six, I keep wanting to say it's a pick six, but it got him down to like the five-yard line, right? I love the delivery. He tries to throw a sidearm ball, and underneath a guy that's jumping in his face, he just throws it too hard and a little high, and it goes off the defender's, I mean, his, his receiver's hands and popped in the air interception, all right? And I'm blaming him. You know, again, if you're going to make that throw and do that, it's cool, but, you know, you better be on the money there, right? But then after that, you know, it just – it was one great throw after another, you know, in between, you know, zoning linebackers, tight man coverage, deep cross, like, you know, not much room for error, boom, on the money. Whoa, I threw threw the deep cross against this look a few plays ago. Here's the same play again. And they're kind of playing the same coverage. Oh, but they kind of covered it. I didn't lock onto it. I get to the second guy and throw a deep in cut to the right. I mean, it was just stuff like that. 20-yard out routes on third down and just go, hey, just stand in there and throw a 20-yard out route. Laser on the money in the tight man coverage. That You know me. I love that stuff because I know the offensive deliver for him. When you start to show you can do that type of stuff, you scare defenses, and you embolden the offensive coordinator to start going, whoa, I like this play. Let's draw this play up. I've never drawn this play. Whoa, but my quarterback can do it. And that's a great advantage talented quarterbacks like him have. I don't think many people would disagree or argue with the fact that the Jets could do more with Zach Wilson than they could with Joe Flacco before. Yeah. What about on the other side of the ball? Could the Steelers do more, or did they do more, with Kenny Pickett than they did previously with Mitchell Trubisky? I think they can. I do think they can. But the baseline is Kenny Pickett's just a better natural quarterback. I think that's the thing that just comes to me more than anything. Trubisky, you know, he's a good athlete with some good physical skills, but I don't think he's a quarterback. That would be the kind of the way I put it. And let me just try to explain that the best I can here. Pickett's got a great natural feel. He's a great thrower, and he's got every club in the bag, right, like a, like a golfer. I mean, he can, you know, throw a quick little touch pass. He can flick, you know, a ball when, you know, it's tight coverage, and he's kind of in the pocket under pressure and get it there. And things are as is and perfect. He's a machine pretty much consistently throwing a perfect spiral, hitting the target that way. He's got a great feel for the things we talk about with Trubisky at times where, you know um, – one, the precision, the timing, rhythm's all better, but a great feel of like, oh, wait, all right, there's a little pressure, but I this look is really good. I'm going to have my guy. Let me just make a step and move here so I can pat the ball one more time or, or be off the back foot and throw the ball and get the big completion. Where Trubisky, I don't know if he's going to do that. Or, you know... Or the opposite of just like, hey, wait, he's open right now. Let me get it to him so he can get going that way. You know, he's got great feel that way. Uh, that that compared to Trubisky, he has a different talent about him. Mm. And I think they can be back to my favorite word, surgical with him at Surgi- quarterback. Use surgicality. He yeah. can show consistent surgicality to I think what ultimately can get them what they want. Right. Yeah. 
Weapons at receiver, we know they can beat man-to-man coverage. Nobody really wants to play them aggressive right now because everyone goes, wait, we know these guys can beat us deep, and they can't run the football. But, man, the one thing I'm excited to see is their approach with him because yeah. I think he could be a guy where you go, let's just get in the shotgun and let him make decisions and dice people up that way, and we'll start to get teams to creep up like we talk about with the Chiefs and teams playing them. And now, oh, hey, it's one-on-one with Chase Claypool. Oh, it's one-on-one with Deontay Johnson. Then you take your Then chance. you get to take your shots out of that kind of realm. I think they have a possibility to maybe play that way with him. I wonder if we'll scheme it up. You, weren't, you, weren't, you haven't been real happy with what you've seen schematically from the Steelers yeah. throughout the years. And so that'll be the question uh, with them. Yes, it, it will be. It's, 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 you know, yeah, it's, it's not an offense that makes me say, wow, but there's enough there. And I think that with the talent, and, you know, I think this guy throwing the ball, making the decisions, um, yeah, I just think that he's a better pure passer and just a better natural overall quarterback. Is there going to be some bumps? Sure. Right. I mean, just like we saw, his first interception was bad. And that's not his M.O., stand back there and throw a 50-yard laser down the field. That's not what he is, right? His is like, no, I've picked you apart. Now i got to match up the way I want. I can put the ball in a spot where you can go get it down the football field. Not, I'm going to stand flat-footed in my own 45 and be Josh Allen or Mahomes and uncork something, and we all go, whoa, that's not what he is. If he can't do that, will he ever be a top-10 quarterback in your mind? Yes, he can. He could still you, be. You don't, have to be. you don't have to be that guy. You, you, can, you can be in the you know, top 10. And like Matt Ryan, I don't know if he was ever that guy. In his prime, he was certainly a top-10 quarterback. You know, there's some other guys that go along that conversation, too. So, yeah, but um, uh, I was impressed with him. The, the interception that lost the game, I'm not counting the Hail Mary at the end. Yeah, just, you know, that's one where I think if he plays a little bit more, of course he doesn't throw that. I think if he's playing a little bit more and has a little bit more feel, the pocket was pretty good. He didn't need to the, the fade back. And he had Deontay Johnson. They were having like a little post-corner post down the middle where I feel like if he plays a little bit more, he probably steps up in the pocket and goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to let this go, hmm. and maybe we win the game right here. Um, but, again, he's being conservative. It's first time out there. It's not easy what he was doing. And all in all, I think there was really a lot of positives to what he did on the, on the football field. He gets to go against that Buffalo Bills defense coming up uh, this week, so that'll be interesting to see. While you were watching all the quarterbacks, Pete was watching the punters. There were 118 punts. Pete says he watched all of them. He watched all of them, reviewed the tape, uh, and he's got a punter of the week and a flyer of the week, as it used to be called gunner. Yeah. Politically incorrect now. Flyer of the week. So punter of the week first, Bears punter Trenton Gill. Five punts. One was inside the five. Two more inside the 20. For the Bears, for them to win games, they're going to need Trenton Gill to continue to step up. (laughs) I don't think there's any doubt. They're playing a game of field position, run the football, defense don't let up big plays, and we're going to kind of wait for you to make a mistake. That's kind of what they do as a football team right now. It's never going to be pretty. It's like the Giants. Yeah, it's not going to be pretty. That's for sure. Uh, But the Giants also kind of play that way, too. They were like, hey, we could play that ugly, we can run the ball, punt the ball down in your area and play that game, too. I think they're very comfortable that way, and that's kind of what you had in that matchup that was 
and one of the uglier games. Yeah, they on go, Sunday. you're going to punt to us. We can punt to we you. We can punt to you, and first we can down. kick longer field goals than you, <laughs> and you'll lose because of that. Trenton Gill, fifty-one point eight was the average net, second best of the week. So, uh, Trenton Gill, congratulations! You got the Pete Punt Award, the Flyer of the Week. That goes to the Vikings corner Chris Boyd. Mm. Pete notes here forced a fair catch on a punt. Later, he overran a punt, but didn't give up on the play. Came back to force a fumble and recover it. Led to a field goal that put the Vikings up 16-7. See, I love that. These are these plays that you know, sometimes yeah, you don't unnoticed. think about. Special right. teams plays. That, that uh, The funny thing is some people are like, oh, I don't want to talk about kickers or punters. or Those games, that, that could be the whole game, right? Uh, it, it could be the whole game. It's, 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 it's a, a huge part of the game. I mean, again, I mean, you can look at the great teams in the history of the sport, and they usually were always very good in that department. I mean, whether it's the Patriots always having a good kicking game, right? You know, Slater running down and their punter always being pretty good and them playing the field position game that way. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a game about controlling territory on a field. Hmm. And that's where the punter comes in very handy. And, uh, yeah, it's a weapon for a lot of teams out there. Yeah. All right. Final thing before we go. We have one more thing. Yeah, can you believe it? <laughs> uh, all ten seasons of Columbo can be streamed on Peacock. Wow. I'm a company man. Look I didn't even you. know it. Look at you. I don't, did we, we didn't even know we had Columbo on Peacock until I, we started I talking no about idea. this the other I day. I had no clue. Man, look at him. I, I, yep, you're I think right. He's, I think that actor's passed away, unfortunately. I think, I think right? you're right. I'm not totally sure. I, I don't know his I name. I want to say you are too. Yeah, I loved him. He was great he, as he Columbo. Peter Falk. Peter yep, Falk, Peter Falk right. has passed away. Hair was always kind of messy. You're always like, is he combing it? Or I is love he going that. for that look? I, I love don't know. that. That's what people ask about you now. Is I, he going for that look? Is he trying to grow it out? And it's yeah. like, yeah. Well, it's is. combed. I mean, it's they should know that. <laughs> this shit is like perfectly combed. Yeah, it's just hair questions. Maybe I should ask the homies that. Do they like? my Johnny traditional part hairstyle right now, or did they like my shave sides bullshit I had, whatever. We'll need a picture side by side and a poll below that as we thread it. Like I told you, I've been very heavily influenced by the women in my life. All right. So that's it. We did it. Wow. We did it, baby. Meaty. We told you. Two hours? Knowledge dense. I don't think it was two hours, but it... Hour forty five. Hour forty five. Why you like? Why do you like shrug your heads like? It's well, like, like what? Like what? what I what? try to keep it to one thirty to one forty. Yeah. So you have a limit in your head that kind you're of. you're hamstringing us to here. I feel like not hamstringing. Yes. I just try to you know get the best in the shortest amount of time. I feel like we respect the homies' time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And Kristen gets hungry. Uh, and Pete that, gets hungry. Yes. And I get hungry. I, uh, Kristen's the only one I care about. <laughs> the, the hell with the rest of you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well done though. Thanks, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Put in the work it's always good it's always good sitting here talking to you thanks for uh, kind of you know extrapolating is that the word i think it, it, extrapolating or extracting extracting the but, info out of me but that can be like surgicality what a good treasure hunter you are <laughs> yeah the treasures in this yeah smoke treasures in there blonde brain from new jersey <laughs> way to find it we got through it and did it all right everybody we'll see you uh, uh, thursday we got the picks podcast with florio i mean right now it's a, just listen to my information and pick tidbits don't listen to my picks of the game it's hard enough picking the game straight up let alone pick best bets and lines and all that I, I don't think i've ever had the struggles i've had right now i don't even try the it. last few weeks i mean I, i'm ha- i'm happy that i went seven to nine and i do think you listen tomorrow i'm gonna give you some tidbits about things to watch out for in the game that's what i always get from my friends is like oh you said this one thing and that's why i bet on them 
Yeah. And even though you picked the other team, I didn't like that part of or, it. Or maybe right. just listen to the pod for entertainment purposes only. Maybe do that, too. We do swear <laughs> a lot, and we have a lot of fun, me yeah. and Florio. So, uh, all right, check that out on Thursday. Everybody enjoy the, the rest of your week. Big big weekend of football, Sunday night football, Bengals, Ravens. I'm excited to see that. That could be awesome or a shit show. I don't know where that goes, really. That could be like 45 to 42. It could be 14-10. I'm not really sure where it goes. Either way, Ahmed, you the man. Homies, be good. Clap it up. Clap it up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.